welcome to the show brain health unchaining your pain and i am really really excited to be talking to the phenomenal kate book cook welcome to the show kate i can be called kate book if you like um, <laughs> i was thinking of your book that i wanted to talk about which was positive positive nutrition that's why my brain was already ahead of itself so welcome. well that's good and a head brain is is better than a behind brain that's marvelous so welcome good to the show today so for those that don't know Kate, Kate is a business and wellness expert and co-founder at the People Energy Partnership, helping people and organisations to fuel physical energy and enhance emotional health, which is a really important topic in my world. She's got worked with a hugely wide range of organisations, um, and I won't list them all, but there are many, and you can find out more about Kate on her website and also... Uh, through her LinkedIn profile, which is there for you below. So welcome. I'm really excited to talk about brain health in the context of nutrition and your journey that you've taken to get to where you are today. But before we start, I'd love to know what is optimal brain health for you personally in the context of your journey that you've been on? Well, I, th I just think that brain health is just so important. And, and um, you know, you were kind enough to share your story earlier. And I think everybody's been through an experience of, of stress or trauma or all of these things. And I remember really in my 20s, really not having the optimal brain health. So I'm now in my 60s. Oh, I'm 60. Um, so can I say I'm I, <laughs> yes, 60? Um, but yeah, so I was I worked for an interior designer in those days. So I wasn't a nutritionist. And um just remember being so knackered uh, and she was so knackered as well and our blood sugar so our energy the way we were controlling our energy was all over the place you know yeah. and so that we actually were interior designers so I did up the Turnberry Hotel with her which now wow. Trump owns believe it or not but uh but anyway there was lots of chintz in those days and we would have dinner together and we would just literally be smacking into the soup we'd be so knackered at the end of the day and, and wouldn't be able to string a, a sentence together so that thing about forgetting words and and it was really um a combo I think of just not knowing my purpose in life at that point a and b being bored you know everybody else was like killing to be an interior designer i absolutely hated it i couldn't give one monkeys about people's curtains nor you know people like <laughs> they're two millimeters too short and i was like and your problem is you know what is wrong with you you know it's just like just keeps the light out you know i was not really cut out to be an interior designer <laughs> So, you know, I suppose it's that's a very long way of answering your question to say, what does it mean to you? I think it just means being totally engaged, being on purpose, being able to recall facts and um, especially what I do as a speaker. I mean, I'm a corporate speaker in in the corporate world. So presentations, well-being programs, all that sort of thing. And of course, you have to have the, all the facts and and a complex story at your fingertips yeah. and being able to have that, being able to also use all of those facts, figures, everything, the story of nutrition, be able to inspire people by different contexts. You know, I'm also an anthropologist. I'm doing an MA in anthropology and uh, anthropology of food. So sort of bringing in those stories, bringing in the nutrition stories, bringing in the personal stories and be being able to put all that quite complex stuff together and, and entertain people and um you know and all of those things and and stick to the your purpose so the contrast i think between that 20 year old self and really thinking actually I was losing my marbles then you know and yeah. uh, and having kind of like a brain on on fire i don't mean inf an inflamed brain i mean a an optimal funny you know serving lovely little friend that you can take with you on your journey yeah. Do you know, I love that. And I think the fact that you've mentioned purpose is such an important one, because we often don't think about purpose as an important asset of brain health, but it's really vital. And I like to think of purpose is, is the connection that we have to ourselves uh, uh, and to our core values and beliefs and the direction of travel we want to go in life. You know, our, it's our moral compass and, and, and we choose the path that we want to take and, and and walking down the path you want to go and knowing where your destination is, where, 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 where do you want to go? What mountain do you want to climb is really important. And, and not having 
that sense of purpose or feeling off purpose or or some people like think how on earth can I decide what my purpose is in life well it's also about living purposefully each and every day so doing something that is serving you and in alignment with who you are and want to be um it's so yeah and I think the thing is with people looking for per their purpose is they're expecting a massive great lightning strike to come down and go you know like the voice of god or something go oh you know okay cook you should be a nutritionist what me you know <laughs> are you speaking to me oh lord you know sort of idea where it's kind of you know from some bush or something burning bush you know it's like you know but but no it's 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 usually nothing like that it's usually just a very quiet little voice that says you know um you know, I think for me with nutrition, it was really that sort of actually, you know, interestingly, the 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 way I became a nutritionist was really about optimal brain function, actually, because it was really about um, personal development, in effect, uh -huh. so being really optimal and being as good as good as I can be and, and being of service as much as I can be. And but also being the best person I can be. Do you know what I mean? All of those yeah. things rather than a lot of nutritionists come because they're already in ill health. I was never, ever in ill health, luckily. Yeah. It was really this, right, what's optimal? What? How can I be better? But how can I use my brain better? How can I use, you know, you know it sounds a bit che cheesy personal development, but that sort of really that coaching, that, um, that coaching element that inspired mm. me. Uh, and I think for a lot of people, as I say, they're, they're looking for that huge purpose. You know, what is my purpose to be a doctor or to be this, to be that? But it can be these ver this very quiet voice that just goes, you're on the wrong path. You know, things like anxiety, you know, is, is a great gift or it can be just to say, listen, you're on the wrong path. You need to change. You need to you need to do something else. And most people don't listen to that little voice that says, you know, look, what is it that even you can fan with a little, you know, keep the keep that fiber, you know, sort of like before it explodes into a, you know, oh, wow, that's my flame. But it takes sometimes it takes a lot of work to do that. Yeah, um, so, it does. Yeah. And I love that your, your journey, you know, was started with nutrition because actually for me, in terms of op optimal brain health, it also started with nutrition for me because I had to like turn the mirror on myself and go do you know eating eating ice cream every night to 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 feel better in myself because of the situation I'm in at work is is not serving me because I'm overweight and that's not where I want to be I want to be the fittest I've ever been and we often think as nutrition in the context of if we talk about mental health as a as a separate discussion and i love the fact that you bring this up in your book positive nutrition is that people kind of consider the nutritional aspect as almost an afterthought um in the yeah. context of getting the best out of themselves and their engine of life rather than being the first thing to think about to to optimize themselves yeah it, it's an interesting thing because in you know obviously I'm working a lot in corporates at the moment and, and the big thing is quite rightly is mental health and, and and the first thing you know it's probably quite controversially but you know that's my middle name but is to really <laughs> is you know we're, we're we're medicalizing ordinary distress into something that's a medical condition like mental health it's actually you know it's normal for people be, to be distressed especially after the two years we've all been through so um it's interesting how actually that's probably more about emotional health than it is about so-called mental health and obviously there is such a thing called mental health in the construction industry it's the biggest um kind of um risk factor in in health and safety is really suicide so you know that is obviously serious mental health and where mm. people are under threat and danger and yeah it's definitely to be identified but for a lot of us it's about look we're not we're not coping or we've got other problems at home and you know it but we're not mentally ill at that point we're, we're really mm. not <clears throat> but so so I think there's a problem a which is we're medicalizing ordinary distress into mental illness which yeah, I think agreed. which is victimizes people and um mm -hmm. and makes them into well the right way to solve that really is through medication possibly, uh you know which, can't, which is overwhelmed anyway yeah absolutely um so so 
Yes, but the other thing I struggle with really is um, to or to get corporates really to understand fully is obviously your head is joined up to your body. That is a really yeah. tricky one to get through. So obviously, you know, they say in health, in in healthy body is a healthy mind, but they can just trying to get that connection is is quite is really quite difficult for people to understand so that when I go and do programs they'll often say ah we're not really doing nutrition at the moment and I go well actually when I'm doing programs I'm never doing a kind of like eat more carrots program we're doing sort of sleep and I run a red thread of nutrition through it because it's the foundation I would say but it's it's not the thing that the sleep is obviously the benefit Um, the nutrition uh, is is just a tool the way you get to it. Um, whereas people see nutrition as the thing rather than the tool. Yeah. And uh, really it's this connection of what then, if you've got the foundations in place, what it can do for your mental health. Because also yeah. nutrition is so, it's a, it, it, it's got a, so many mechanisms of action um it's not just you know it's complex it's a really complex system so it's you know if you're eating that carrot of course it's the fiber it's the it's the vitamins it's the all the it's all the it's even might be even the energy in the food which sounds a bit ning nong but you know they measure these things you know it could be all sorts of things that we don't even have a clue about um whereas people as i say see this thing as kind of mental health and then nutrition no it's like actually it's related it's completely related yeah. of course <laughs> and the foundation for everything to do with health and well-being absolutely i 100 agree and you know i love the fact that you do on emotional health as well and i like to think of it as an emotional emotional well-being is often that's missed in the context of of health we don't i don't think we talk enough about people's emotional health um, we, we we spend a lot of time talking about people's physical health and we may spend some time talking about people's mental health and there's been more of a light shone on that. But we definitely don't take the time to explore how people are feeling emotionally. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, off, our emotions drive everything. Um, it drives our behaviours, our thoughts drive our emotions um, our emotions are a signal to move us towards something that's going to help be helpful or give us pleasure and away from something that's going to hurt us. And well, it, I think, and, sorry to interrupt, I was going to say, I think that the phrase mental health should be completely avoided. Absolutely. Unless it is for critical health um, problems like schizophrenia, severe depression. Yeah. Because I think it downplays the really serious aspect of mental health. I mean, um genuinely life-threatening mental health or even um you know life enjoyment threatening mental health etc because you know people under stress can say i've got a mental health problem but they haven't really got a mental health problem they've got a work problem (laughs) they've got a four-letter word problem which is work they're being overworked Uh, they don't have the resources to cope with it. And it's not at that point mental health. It's not a mental health crisis. It is a it's crisis, crisis, but it's a work crisis. It can be cultural, absolutely, which is it can be cultural. It can be it can be purpose, you know, basically, yes. which is you're in the wrong flipping job, you know, so you need to rethink that. Um, but it doesn't mean to say that you have a, you have a mental problem it might be your work actually has the problem, not you. So Absolutely. I think it's really about grabbing back our power in the way we we use language. And after all, language is, you know, we think of it as this very inert thing. You know, we use language the whole time. But the way we use language controls culture or culture controls Absolutely, language. Yeah. And you have to be so careful with the language uh, that you use and its meanings and how that can impact people and their lives. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so emotional health, um, obviously stress is a huge thing in the workplace. And of course, there is mental health, absolutely. But be careful how we use that for people who genuinely, not genuinely, because I think people who feel they have mental health issues obviously feel they have a mental health issue. But it's to ha- be able to then gr- grab those quite serious cases and to help them as opposed to being kind of missed in the whole tide of people who think they've got um mental health problems as opposed to emotional health problems yeah uh, agreed you know or stress problems or or family problems or any of these or sleep problems any of these lead to uh, 
downgrading quality of life yeah. for sure and I, <clears throat> I absolutely agree with you on that and i think you know language i'd like i love to draw on the on the issue of language because you know mental health has come out of what i would like to think of the the word mental has come out of the dark ages based on people used to be put in mental asylums and you were considered on the wrong side of normal um and so you know it you would be labeled as mental in in the context of the word and even the way we talk about mental health the the questions that come up now is are you okay which is an immediate label that the fault is with the person because you start thinking oh my god is there something wrong with me rather than asking a better question is everything okay which allows the person to look outward at what, what all of the factors are which goes into root cause analysis yeah it's very very What's good point. The problem they're experiencing yeah because it's easy because immediately, you know, and again, I think this is another one of my bugbears, which is, of course, you wouldn't stick your hand up to really say that you have a mental health problem, really, even if it's well intentioned, you know, and I get that it's completely well intentioned. And I get that it can be really serious. And I get that it needs to be kind of, and, I, and it's great that people are now on the lookout for people who, who really need help. But you, absolutely to your point, is everything okay? as opposed to are you okay is actually the, the the difference in language very very small but actually the way that that lands is just phenomenally different yeah totally yeah really interesting so I, i'd love to know your journey into becoming a nutritional expert and coach and ha and how you transition from this 20 year old where you obviously your energy levels were you know, you were like on a roller coaster of energy to get to get through the day and week, and you didn't feel on purpose to to where you are today as a, as a professional speaker and trainer. Um, how did that journey evolve? How did you sort of, you know, move from being an interior designer into into being a nutritional expert? Well, I think it's uh, I I I I did actually history, economic history, and politics at university. So I was an art student, and uh, but I was always really interested. Actually, funnily enough, in skin health. So, I mean, ah. it's really from a from a vanity reason, actually. So I was always doing these mad, not diets as in losing weight diets, but sort of like weird sort of things in vogue where they'd say like have you tried the goat's cheese diet or the goat's milk beauty regime? And I'd be like, yes, let me try. In the days before goats, you know, it was like substantially <laughs> difficult to come across any goat's milk, you know. So obviously that's why it was in vogue because it was about 400 quid a pint, you know, in those days. <laughs> So I was really interested in all of that. But I mean, I, and then I went into all these weird, you know, when I left university, I went into uh, some, so I went into the art business and did some various stuff and sort of forgot my connections with the, the importance of diet and, you know, something so, so superficial, actually, as skin health. And, uh, but anyway, it was really that, the opt, the, the sort of, wanting to find my purpose want, knowing that I was in the wrong job obviously with the interior design you know um thing um and sort of knowing that there was kind of more to life and that I had more uh to give and more more to give in terms of service and um and also you know I am so substantially unsuited to working in any kind of structured environment you know I'd laugh <laughs> two minutes in a job a real job I mean I'd go in all enthusiastic and then I'd get the second day too you know I'd be like yes let's change her woohoo you know yeah this is fabulous and they'd say Kate you need to do this I'm like why and I'd like goodbye see you know it's like I would so not be suited to and that was partly it I felt really clamped down in a um in a sort of proper growing up work environment so sort of working for myself was always something I really I think was suited to do and um yeah so so really going back to the sort of days of the goats goats uh, diets I was really wanting to optimize um, you know, through personal development. And actually, you know, funnily enough, Tony Robbins, Anthony Robbins, you know, yeah. cheesy as that may sound, he of the big radiator grill teeth. 
um, he he has a big component of what he does is actually nutrition. Now, I didn't mm -hmm. get my nutrition from there. I, I then went on to the, the, the quiet voice, as I was saying earlier, you know, it wasn't like a loud voice, but saying, listen, there's more to life. There's more to you. You know, you, you need to find the, the vehicle to travel on. And for me, the vehicle was nutrition. So so meaning it's it wasn't my. You know, as I say, some people come to nutrition because it's, it's it's resurrected them, it's saved them. But for me, it was really like just like a, you know, and I think in the Indian tr uh, trans uh, tradition, they have Ganesh who travels on a, a couple of rats, the transport rats. So for me, the transport rats were actually was nutrition. So it was just a way and an access to be able to talk to be able to find a hook for my passion on yeah. on optimizing uh, potential and optimizing health and independence, uh, in other words, of everything, meaning away from relying on anybody but yourself to be optimal. So yeah. you, know, you don't have to rely on a doctor. Well, you do, even if obviously you have something seriously wrong with you. But keeping optimally healthy is is much better than having to go into a reliance of relying on other people. And, yeah. you know, if you've got your health, you've got most nearly everything in order to potentiate, yeah. potentiate if that's a word, yourself. Yeah. No, so, I think, yeah. so I think that's, that's so important. <clears throat> Sorry to cut across you there. I think that's no. so important. And I love the fact that you use nutrition. It's kind of like the foundation, isn't it, for, for everything. And we forget that food is medicine um and food it we need the right foods to feed our body and feed our mind all of which are interconnected um through our yeah it is it's really health. important but i think what what nutrition can get into is what what actually this guy uh, he's called skrigornik uh what was he called skrives um uh, Gregor Skrinis, I think it's called. Anyway, it's by it's called Nutritionism. The book is called Nutritionism, and um, actually, um, it was referred to in the Omnivore's Dilemma, uh, which was quite a popular book. And um, basically, in this book, it it said that the trouble is sometimes with nutrition is it takes the elements out of food and makes them into so for example an oyster the one of the key elements is zinc you know it's very yeah. good for you it's good for the brain actually and blah 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 yeah. but you have to be careful i think with food is to take it out of context and um you know it's it's the synergistic effect of food that really is the magic it's not really the oysters are full of zinc although they are yeah. and although zinc is good for brain health and all the rest of it that's great but i think people can lose sight of actually the the other side of food which is the community the soul um and as nutritionists we can do that because it becomes about it becomes about kind of optimizing health through using key nutrients which is cool as well by the way but i think we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that food is much more connecting and larger than that and that's why yeah. i've done anthropology of food which is about culture around food as well so bringing those things together i hope that doesn't make it sound too complicated no 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 not at all like, i i want to draw into that because i love well, that no, there is a place for i mean because we are actually our training is in um in effect it's um optimum nutrition or um used to be called personalized nutrition i'm a nutritional therapist so we are trained to deal with individual um people uh, who mm -hmm. might come to us for individual things that might not be working like let's say irritable bowel syndrome so we are drilling down into um using very specific nutrients for that kind of um kind of uh, food using food as medicine in effect uh, through that so there is a place for looking at deficiencies and all the rest of it but for 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 ordinary people who don't feel they have anything kind of wrong with them the way we look at food as well is to uh, to to look at these tiny little elements of food and to make it make it do something and it's very western concept you know it has to do something and be kind of like um what do you call it it has to sort of well also you know that how that can go so wrong when we we uh we drill down into the elements of food and and 
And sometimes the science can go so wrong politically for years and years and years. We mm. were talking earlier about fat. That, I mean, that's one example yeah. about how one person grabs the narrative and then runs with it. Another one is salt, actually. Uh, yes. You know, so so but, but I think it was called Macintosh, and he just grabbed this concept of how salt is evil for everybody, um, and 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 then blankets the whole thing with with the evilness like like with fat you know the same yeah. argument so so we have to be really careful not to kind of take to it's like almost playing god i think we do that a lot as humans yeah. we play god to say aha you know what is life we know about life let's kind of like frankenstein's monster kind of recreate life through these composite bits and instead you get this kind of yes you get a working kind of Frankenstein but at the same time you lose the humanity and uh, I think we have to be careful with that in nutrition which is yes it's a really good tool yes it, you can optimize health yes it's fantastic you know individual nutrients can do uh, uh, the world of good and especially if you need them clinically but not to lose the humanity community bonding um, everything uh, life and the miracle of food through our kind of examination of the very small yeah I, do you know i really know i love that i love that because we you know we are all made up of individual elements you know every single person is made up of individual parts of nutrients and a whole host of complex uh compounds that ultimately you can break down into a single molecule but actually we're all different and we all interact differently and the way that those elements interact in our body are different based based on how we are composed and I want to draw on the community piece because I love to bring this into play from a gut health perspective with my daughter is the community starts in our gut so we have trillions of 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 bugs in our gut healthy ones and and some not healthy ones and we have to feed the community of bugs that are in our gut that help serve us uh, uh, as individual humans and the community that exists within our body. Uh, and then that that individual feeding feeds the community and our interactions externally. So it all really yeah, starts with looking at it in a community in a community based perspective, right down to the, you know, the microorganisms that that interact with each other at, at you know, at a cellular level and within our cells, and but particularly within our gut health and the microbiome that exists, that that is is such an important part of of achieving optimal or just a functional yeah. brain. I think it's interesting because this has become the big flavor of of the nutritional month. In effect, I mean, when I started twenty five years ago in training as a nutritionist, um, you know, of course, gut's always been important for nutritionists. I mean. Confucius even said that bliss begins in the bowel, and that was a long time ago. So, you know, obviously, the, you know, we've been on to the fact that the gut is very important in health for, for a while, for sure. But um, I think it's interesting to think that these are the things that we know uh, about nutrition and food and all the rest. Of it. It's about what we don't know, I think, is more fascinating in a way that we, and again, we tend to separate these things out into gut health or or even brain health, you know, I mean, I know that's a convenient shorthand, because people like to kind of like say, aha, my, my brain's not really working, I need some brain health. But as you know, of course, it's all connected. But I think the more fascinating, or the most fascinating thing about gut health is how it's connected with um, our place on the planet in terms of soil health. So, um, you know, in effect, the soil has a microbiome. It has a, it has a, it has the myce uh, mycelia of the, um, of the fungi that talks, that communicate. They communicate through, underground. Through, yeah. Yeah, through messages and through, you know, this intelligence there and that we, in effect, are so separated from the earth, but yet we are so part of it that our microbiome is, in effect, a reflection of the soil microbiome. So we, in effect, our our community here is also an important reflection of our community in terms of 
you know, planetary health. And the big one, obviously, is pollution for that. As um, mm. you know, things like glyphosates, as you know, which is a mm. class of chemicals that's a, a herbicide that is actually kills off the microbiome. That is the mechanism through something called the shikimate pathway, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm which is it doesn't kill us but it kills the bacteria so it causes all sorts of problems and of course as we know the bacteria can communicate with the brain through photons of light you know literally and i find that so magic you know it's it's sort of is sending out sort of emitting frequencies and stuff we can't even guess at you know those yeah. are the things we know about let alone the things as i said that we just don't know about yet so yeah that's again a very long way of saying yeah gut health is very important but the, the things we don't know are kind of going to be more important and um and and that our connection with the community we have inside to the community we have outside ourselves and our position um, on the planet and how we fit into soil health as well, which is, of course, we are the soil. The soil is us. And um, we have separated that out. And, part, and that's part of the reason why we have poor gut health, of course. Yeah. And actually, I've noticed that some of the um, interventions necessary to support people who have poor gut health and has been used in people with extreme COVID has actually been using soil derivatives to restore the the gut microbiome so we're absolutely absolutely on the same on the same wavelength as you yeah. even using gut. earthworms you know which it's they um it's like turn the poor old earthworms into um into types of enzymes that actually also um you know so you're using soil you know through the worms poor things but yeah yeah that, yeah, yeah yeah so yeah and i think it's really interesting and i um, I'd love to touch on this in how our world has evolved, because I know we talked about this just recently offline. It is how our world has evolved from when we were, you know, living surrounded by the dirt, surrounded by the soil, ingesting the soil to a very clean, very different, uh, very plastic packaged artificial world that we are in today and how that really influences how the nutritional changes that we see have really influenced our our ability to achieve optimal health in 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 our brain and whole body. Could, yeah, could you tell I mean, what you've really observed as part of your you know your experience as a nutritional expert? Well, I think um, I mean a big one, obviously, as you've referred to, is uh, in terms of. You know, it's it sometimes can sound a bit overwhelming because people talk about toxicity in the environment, and it's sort of like you think to yourself, um, kind of like, oh, well, there's not really very much I can do about that. But but you're getting toxins, obviously, or or, or challenges to our bodies through things like plastics in the environments, through these are xenoestrogens, so they're you know they influence hormones, and and people know about how that can influence like our waters and how little frogs can turn into or boy frogs can turn into girl frogs at the same time uh, hermaphrodite frogs and you know all these kind of um problems with with um sex in in effect with the frogs and um uh, you know and other animals obviously as well influenced by that so you know these this this pervasive tox toxicity can get into a lot of our environment including off well, including the glyphosates we talked about and other yeah. pesticides and other interventions as well. So, you know, it can sound quite overwhelming, but we do have enzymes that can, to a certain extent, mop up damage in the body. Uh, they're called SOD and GP that are mopping up this kind of damage in the body. But, of course, it's very enhanced by, uh, by certainly what we don't do. <laughs> so things like drinking, smoking, um, uh, poor nutrition, um, poor fats in in processed food and all these things. And then, you know, finally, what we do do. So, you know, obviously, the the fresher the food. Uh, and also, I'm a big fan of organic. Um, and I know it's expensive. But, you know, I always say, I, I mean, it depends, you know, because I'm not very material. So I don't really have a really good car or go on fancy holidays. Mm -hmm. I would just far rather have a fantastic meal than I ever would, you know, go on a fancy holiday. But, uh, but that's just me, you know. So, um, and I know in the cost of living crisis, it's not easy. So um, choosing which products you have organic is is obviously a cascade. But but 
you know, it's not the answer to everything organic, but obviously you've got the 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 minus the pesticides, the foods minus the pesticides, mm -hmm. um, which of course are designed to stick on the food because uh, you you wouldn't want the pesticides if you were a pesticide farmer, you know, the person who uses pesticides to wash off the fruit because obviously that's not going to be any good for your for the reason why you use the pesticide. Yeah, and actually, people who live in areas where they do do the pesticide spraying on the farms can have huge problems from a respiratory perspective or certainly from a skin perspective because of the damage that the pesticides do to to our skin and and to our um you know uh, ability to breathe and we know that you know i love that you talked about skin as one of your focuses initially in nutrition because we often call skin as our third brain and it's the largest organ in our body and often yeah, we yeah absolutely and yeah often know. we express conditions that are actually going on in our brain uh in our skin before we actually acknowledge um that we're you know stress is a classic that we'll yeah, express absolutely. stress through our skin before we acknowledge that we're stressed uh, emotionally or mentally well that's really interesting because i mean uh, you know obviously you you see people who's you know, look, you know, sort of grey and tired and, you know, and, and and that is obviously an indication, isn't it? But I've never really thought about the connection with brain health and that being the sort of canary in the mine um, kind of idea. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I was thinking I'm waffling on about, but, but, the, but the point is that you're, detoxification kind of pathways including optimizing these little um enzymes that help mop up damage is is really done through you know optimal food and um you know and be careful not to buy in too much to political fashions in nutrition and just be very wary of of people who kind of say that they they have found the way and that this is the way you know you just have to look back really to to, to the fact that we are omnivores and we eat a lot lot of diets all around the world serve lots of different people so there is no usually one completely optimal diet it depends on circumstances environment you know uh, if you were in the Maasai Mara you'd be eating blood and milk and if you were in, if you were an Inuit you'd be eating seal blubber whatever mm -hmm. so there's lots and lots of different diets throughout the world and we're served buy them i think the the one thing that um the guy called weston price came across he was a dentist in the 1930s was uh, was uh, in effect commodities so eating um industrial food is the big fat killer you know in in, yeah. in any diet doesn't matter if you're eating a uh, processed food that is a real indication on start of poor health yeah i absolutely agree and i think we're actually saturated with processed food rather than saturated with saturated fat it's the is the processed food that's really the biggest killer for people and the and the hidden on the hidden unhealthy fats the hidden toxins that sit sit in food the the hidden sugars that's impossible to to unless you you're a nutritional expert you know they change the name of sugar it's not just called sugar it's called dextrose and maltose and all sorts of other different names. It's just sugar um, that, that sits in. The, yeah. In the and I think, you know, I mean, obviously sugar is a commodity. So, you know, obviously that's not probably a health product. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I think, you know, it's how sometimes the food industry separates um, components of food out of the food. And then, you know, they the food because oh, that product becomes demonized like we were talking about saturated fat it's like actually you know you know things like meat actually you know is demonized for, for high being high in saturated fat but actually the highest component of meat isn't necessarily saturated fat it's monounsaturated fat and other fats that make up um make up the product so you can sort of demonize um, you can demonize something that actually makes up a component of the food rather than looking at the whole food itself, yeah. looking at the benefits of the whole food as opposed yeah. to components of it. Um, I don't know, you know, because it's easier and I think humans react better to say, right, don't eat 
blah because blah is bad for you you know like right got it you know you don't have to sort of think okay you don't have to sort of put it through the the thought computer to say well that doesn't make sense you know mm -hmm. you you just uh, get the sort of top level and, and most people can only really process the top level um, yeah. but you can see in in nutritional kind of recommendations use sometimes and usually a flip-flop from from um advice you know in the 70s 80s it was um the f plan diet and then it was you know now it's sort of ketogenic and uh, low carb and uh, you know and different or vegan different paleo, trends. paleo uh, pegan you know you could get anything uh so you know everybody's got the sort of way you know it's like oh it's my way i've got you know it's keto is the big thing or it's this yeah. or it's that and actually there's probably components to all of those things that are great but it's it, you know it sounds a bit like i'm doing myself out of a job to say actually you know it's simpler than we think which is great food cooked well cooked yourself um you know obviously fresh uh you know and kind of traditional if you like meaning actually um you know not snacking endlessly on stuff between meals which can raise and drop the blood sugar and and you know perhaps it is only eating two meals a day because that's what we probably would have eaten as workers in the old days if we'd yeah. been pushed, we'd have been stuffing our face all the time but look where that got them you know mm. so anyway so what would you say your top tips are in the context of people optimizing their health but through the lens of nutrition well, it's definitely, I spend a lot of time uh, kind of regurgitating the, the blood sugar story. So, you know, it's about balancing blood sugar to get stable insulin, which, you know, you know all about in yeah. uh, health, in brain health. I mean, that's huge about, you know, it's stimulating unnecessary inflammation in the body. Of course, inflammation is key uh, if you need to be inflamed to bring, you know, to heal wounds, for example. But, um, you know, you don't want un, you don't want a fire out of control in the body, which is very consuming and also takes up a lot of energy and reserves in the body. And, and they think it's the sort of key to all degenerative disease, which is in, untamed inflammation, which yeah. we get through a rubbish diet, rubbish lifestyle and all, all the rest we've talked about. So, you know, so I think the big, big thing is and I sort of labor is getting that insulin stories straight and how to do that um, through nutrition which is key and I think the second thing is kind of stemming on from that is um, about breaking the fast so again these days people work on these trends of the you know the 5-2 diets or the uh, intermittent fasting which is great you know that's all the fancy footwork add-on stuff that you can add on to the nutrition once you've got the key sort of skeleton there mm -hmm. um, so the next thing is breaking the fast which is breakfast but it doesn't have to be at eight o'clock uh, but it's sort of getting the right breakfast, the one that sort of will optimise blood sugar and balance your blood sugar throughout the day. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting because I always have, I always feel I have this mini fight on on my hands, especially for children. Is that is the type of breakfast that we eat now is office of often a processed breakfast through the you know the marketing of the food industry and all the cereals that they produce and actually you may as well almost eat a bowl of sugar uh, because yeah. it very quickly turns to sugar and so you have all these children that have a massive slump at the beginning of the at the beginning of the day and then they become hugely uh, energetic and erratic because they're all you know yeah. because they're going through the sugar high and low <laughs> and then they're giving them um, ritalin to can't to give them the uppers and the downers you know it's just like you know then you you, you give them drugs the kids yeah you, you because you think it's them that's faulty rather than actually addressing yeah. the root cause of nutrition yeah. I, I mean the third thing you know just because you know the blood sugar the bre breaking the fast and the third thing is really about um the quality which again you know i referred to in brief which was you know if you can support organic or support regenerative farming or be, you know local i suppose that all comes under that umbrella of community and engaging with food where you can um it's really difficult if you live in a city but it's not impossible and it does require yeah. a bit more effort and that's where you lose people on the journey because they're like oh i haven't got time for that but you know think of all the plastics and everything you use in supermarkets and how oh, yeah. you can go on box schemes and and food drops and you know and actually with a tiny bit more effort make this connection with somebody you can look in the eyes who you can engage with 
you know, for your food, your most important resource. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to dive back into where we first started, which was the emotional health piece, but dive into it in a bit more of a fun way. Look at the fun facts um, if you're ready for this. So we're looking at the five pillars remembered by the mnemonic facts, which is our feelings, our actions, our connections, our thoughts and our surroundings, all which influence our brain health. So let's just dive into feelings first. What's the funniest or most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? Ah, yes. Well, the funny quickly, because I can tell a story, which is basically how I became a nutritionist really was that somebody I knew was looking absolutely fantastic. So it's really that, that sort of vanity thing again, you know, with me. So somebody probably their skin looking really amazing. It's like, wow, you're looking amazing. What's it? What are you doing? They were really cagey, wouldn't tell me what they were doing. So um, I then sort of in the end, they said, look, I've been to this nutritionist. So they gave me the number. I said, great. So I just called them. So right, I'm turning up. And it was in Balham and I had to come from Fulham and it was quite a journey. And, you know, and I ended up in this person's, basically this person's house in the middle of nowhere. I was like, great, what are you going to tell me about nutrition? This is before I was a nutritionist, obviously. And anyway, so she said, well, let's go upstairs. Let's get straight stuck in, shall we? And I was like, stuck in? Stuck into what? It turned out she was a colonic irrigation specialist. And um <laughs> She's she's just basically and being British, I was like, mm, I'm probably in the wrong appointment. But anyway, I was prepared to have a, a tube shoved at my bottom uh, rather than say I was in the wrong appointment. So, yeah, <laughs> that is a brilliant story and so apt in the context of nutrition. <laughs> but it's anyway, really exactly. I was just like, God, I'm not sure about this at all, you know, but anyway. <laughs> and did you feel better after it? I mean, it was sort of generally because actually it, she gave me a sort of it wasn't just about the tube up the butt. It was uh, she'd given me a sort of like, you know, just stuff we, we know about sort of diet, really. Um, but it was a, really a start for me because I think nobody really has that manual or skeleton of, you know, like I teach it through blood sugar management. Yeah. So that's the sort of backbone of what I teach. And uh, onto that, you can bond on the fancy footwork, whereas most people start off with the fancy footwork, like the 5-2 or they want to do a fast or something. And it's way too sort of advanced, if you like. Yeah. Far you know, you've got to you've got to get some basics. Got to do the basics. Yeah. yeah. So they tend to do it because they Lay want your to foundations. Play. Yeah. But laying the foundations. So this was about laying the foundations for me. And I think it's <laughs> my interest in actually to, to, be, to go on to become a nutritionist. Yeah. Brilliant. And I'm just going to cut touch on one more connection to yourself. What's the most important values that guide you in life? And I'm particularly interested in this because obviously you started feeling off purpose. Yeah, well, I, I actually um, I devised a coaching program when I was in clinic about 20 years ago. And it's um, it's called the Life Map Method. And it's it's actually using collage and lots of different sort of elements. But uh, in the one of the most important things is getting the values down, you know, your values, your 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 operating system. And we worked about seven different values, which I'm not going to remember now, probably while well, you put me on the spot. But I think, so. you know, the most important values to me is integrity, uh, yeah. humor, family, um, fun. You know, a lot of it is I just won't work with anybody who is just like I'm not having fun doing it is immediate kind of uh turn off community is another one um and notice how far kind of like money or success comes on this list you know like nowhere on it because yeah. uh, i'm always governed by kind of like people and um connection and all of those values and and you know must be service you know there very importantly because you can't i don't think be in what you're in and what i'm in without that wanting to be of service and um, change our world basically well i certainly think you live into your core values because my 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 cheek muscles are hurting with laughing and smiling <laughs> smiling so much from from uh, speaking with you okay how can what would you say to anyone who is struggling with their achieving optimal health um, and they just they just don't know which way to go. How do they start? What, what one piece of advice would you give to anyone? 
Well, so, sorry to sound like a stuck record, but I, I go back to the balance the blood sugar because it balances the energy, balance the inflammation, balance the mood, balance the sleep. You know, everything stems from that. You know, it's, it's, it sounds really like a one size fits all, but it's like so many things happen from that. So the first action is really breakfast, breaking the fast and uh, getting the breakfast, optimal breakfast. So instead of the cereal you were talking about earlier yeah. is to look at, you know, I, 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 the quick version of this is to avoid sweet, fluffy and white food and go for thick, fibrous protein and fat. So yeah. in another day, I'll tell you what exactly that means. But basically, you're going for something like rye toast, if, if that's your thing. Um, and, um, you know, I, there's some controversy about how it, help, it doesn't help brain health, actually, all grain on the brain. So something like yeah. Perlmutter, Dr. Perlmutter yeah. and grain brain and stuff like that. But, yeah. but that having been said, you know, something like rye bread, which is thick and fibrous, and then eggs, avocado, fish. Yeah. You know, so it's a sort of massive change on breakfast and making it much more like a Scandi breakfast, really. And once you've got that in in play, everything comes from that. Your blood sugar balances, you feel better and then you're able to make better choices. So instead of trying to change everything is to change that and then go, you know, wow, that makes such a difference. And then to solve on other these other things. Yeah, I love that. And it's almost going back to the traditional English breakfast, actually, because a traditional English breakfast would be protein and, uh, you know, from the eggs and the meat that we would have traditionally. And then we'd get uh, and then we get obviously some of the fibre from the beans and, and it, it, traditional bread that we would have had at the time would have been much more nutritious than it is to, in today's world. So it's kind of reverting yeah. back to how we would have done historically. And then you wouldn't have had the snacks, you know, because, again, it's quite a modern thing. It's a marketing thing, which was the finger of fudge, as you, you, you're you not old enough to remember the finger I know, of fudge. I remember that. It's yeah. just enough to give your kid, kid a treat. The finger of fudge is just enough to give your kids the treat. <laughs> the finger of fudge is just enough. Anyway. It's full of Cadbury's goodness, of course. So yeah. and very good to eat, apparently. So I can still remember and that. And full of sugar. And, and full of yes, and full of and trans fats. And trans fats and very nice to eat. But uh, yeah, that was the first not campaign very good for you. <laughs> on convincing us we needed a snack between meals. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm led to believe so. But but you know, if you get a sort of so-called proper breakfast in, then you're much more inclined, inclined to be able to bring dinner a bit earlier and in fact just have two meals a day as opposed to yeah. all the the snacking and the you know other bits and bobs and, and triggering of the blood sugar along the way. So mm. yeah. So it's it's magic once you start with breaking the fast. Uh as I say, it doesn't have to be at eight o'clock, but it does have to be the the kind of what it is you're having, um, yeah. you know, yeah. is important. Kate, it's been fantastic talking to you. I've had so much fun uh, with you on this podcast. How can people get hold of you, learn more about what you're doing, the Be Sensational at 60 activities that we didn't even get time to talk about? Yeah, so basically, uh, it's Kate Cook. I am a corporate speaker, as we said. Uh, you can find me there on katecook.biz. I've just launched something for my demographic, which is going to be my journey of discovering being sensational through purpose, wisdom, curiosity, and energy. And that is be sensational <laughs> at 60. So you can find me there as well. But uh, yeah, so depending on who you are and what you want, I've got something for you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much kate and remember everyone this show is all about brain health unchaining your pain you're not stuck with the brain you have you have power to change it and make it better and kate's been here to show us how through the lens of nutrition thanks kate thank you 